You're listening to episode 2.35 of the Midlife Improvement Project. And on this week's episode, I'm chatting with Janine Mouchoir, who is a life coach for the parents of teenagers. If you want better communication with your teenager and calm and peace in your house and family, this episode is for you. And hey, if you don't currently have teenagers, or even if you don't have kids, there's so much great wisdom in what Janine shares that can be applied to communicating in any relationship. So let's go. Welcome to the Midlife Improvement Project, a podcast about what really matters as you negotiate midlife. Some might call this time of life a crisis, but I want to introduce you to the idea that it's an awakening. This is a time to listen to your soul, to find your purpose, to reflect on what you really want to do and be in the days you have left here on planet Earth, and then write your own midlife manifesto. You are not less of yourself on the other side of midlife, you are more. This is a time to be celebrated, not tolerated. I'm your midlife wake-up coach, Dr. Peggy Malone. I'm a healthcare provider turned life coach who helps women in midlife lean into the magic of being a woman as we head into the second half. I help you to decide where you want to go next with this one precious life and really claim all of your big dreams and goals while caring less about what anyone else thinks about it. After all, if someone is going to be unhappy with your life, it shouldn't be you. I've just passed the milestone of turning 50 and I want to use this podcast as my midlife manifesto. There will be no fading into the background and quietly living out my golden years with the assumption that my best years are behind me over here. I'm just getting started. I invite you to come with me. Listen in each week as I help you to wake up to what's possible for you in midlife as you learn to manage your mind, get curious about what got you here, and get clear about where you want to go next on the way to being an even better you. Let's get after it. Well, hello friends. Before I introduce the guest who I interviewed for today's show, let me just catch you up on what has been happening in my life of late, because it's been a minute since I had a show drop. It was way back in July when I shared my adventures and life updates show, and now summer, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, has disappeared and we are leaning into fall. For all of July and for the first week of August, my husband John and I were on our epic adventure to celebrate my 50th birthday and our 10th wedding anniversary. The seed of the dream for this trip was that I wanted to be snowboarding on my 50th birthday, and there were only a few places in the world that that would be possible on my July 9th birthday. So we went down under and I celebrated my 50th birthday by snowboarding at Mount Threadbow in New South Wales, Australia. In the three weeks that we were in Oz, we toured Sydney, we caught up with a friend in Canberra, which is the capital of Australia, we stayed in a cool town called Jindabyne, where we caught up with another friend who is from Oz, who John and I met a couple of years ago snowboarding in Western Canada. We snowboarded at three different resorts in Australia, and then we did some awesome sightseeing along the Great Ocean Road from Melbourne to Adelaide in the south part of Australia. And then we caught up with some classmates of mine from chiropractic school who graciously hosted us and toured us all around Adelaide and the area for a week. After that, we flew to New Zealand and we stayed in Queenstown for a week. And Queenstown is the home base city to, uh, in order to get to the ski fields in the South Island of New Zealand. We snowboarded in two resorts there and we did an epic day trip to Milford Sound through some of the most spectacular mountain scenery that I have ever had my eyes on. It was truly awesome. I 100% recommend if you can get to New Zealand sometime in this life, go to the South Island, go to Queenstown, take the trip to Milford Sound. It is beautiful. 
Um, after that, we finished off that five-week adventure by stopping partway back to North America in French Polynesia. And if you're not sure where French Polynesia is, it's a group of islands in the South Pacific. It's kind of straight south or almost straight south of Hawaii in the middle of the Pacific. And uh, we stayed in the capital city of Tahiti in a city called Papite or Papete, depending on how you pronounce it. And for a few days, um, we were there um, hanging out in the capital. And then after that, we had the most luxurious and beautiful experience staying in overwater bungalows on the island of Morea, which is a short ferry ride um, away from Tahiti. And so if you're thinking about this, picture that beautiful blue water and those photos on everyone's vision board of Bora Bora. So originally we wanted to go to Bora Bora, which is an island that is close by and it's also in French Polynesia. And this just worked out better for our budget and for our timing. But, um, and it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. So we went swimming, we went snorkeling, we went kayaking and we just chilled and relaxed and it was fantastic. And then we arrived home on August the 5th. And since then we have been doing our best for the rest of the summer to assimilate ourselves back into reality. So if you missed this whole adventure and you want to check it out, I have a highlight on my Instagram profile and it's called Epic Adventure. And you can go and click on that and you can see all of the stories that I shared during the five weeks that we were away. All right, now it's September. So if you are a longtime listener, you will remember that I like to channel my online pretend best friend Gretchen Rubin at this time of year and remind myself and all of you that September is another January. We can harness that back to school feeling to get us back into the groove of a good routine and habits for fall. I'm personally using that back to school feeling to get back into a better routine with my workouts. And I'm back to my weekly old lady gymnastics class because... I'm not sure if you're aware, but I have this goal. And originally it was before I turned 50, but I've moved the goalposts a little bit to be in the year I turned 50. So by the end of 2023, I have a goal to get a round off back handspring on the gym floor. So I'm going back to my weekly gymnastics classes to get after that. And Hey, uh, this is a good time to mention that if you've been considering hiring me as your coach, this is a great time of year because of that momentum of that back to school feeling. If you are hearing me say these words and something is stirring in you and you know you need a change, but you need help, it's time. Come and have a conversation with me so that we can get you on track for the rest of 2023 and into 2024. Go to drpeggymalone.com forward slash coach to sign up for a complimentary consult and let's go. Okay, now on to today's interview, which is such a great conversation. Any of you with teenagers or kids who will soon be teenagers in your life, listen up. Janine Mouchoir is a life coach for parents of teenagers. She helps make parenting easier by teaching new communication strategies that stop the battles and create a calm, peaceful home. Parents learn how to teach their teens cooperation, responsibility, and critical life skills to empower them for success. In the process, they create the positive, meaningful relationship they always imagined. Janine earned her BA from Stanford University and is a certified professional life coach. She is married and has three adult children. If you've been listening for a while, you know that my husband, John, and I don't have kids, but we are part of the village for eight nieces and nephews and many children of our friends. And a lot of those kids are in their teenage years right now. And so I'm always interested in learning more about how to connect with them. So those of you with kids, especially teenagers, you will want to listen in today as my guest can help make parenting your teenagers a smoother process. Janine, welcome to the show. Thanks, Peggy. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Amazing. Um, I would love it if you would just start off by telling 
me and my listeners a little bit about yourself, your story, and of course, because this is the Midlife Improvement Project, especially your midlife story, which might be related to where you were going to go with it anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm Janine Mouchoir. I'm a life coach for parents of teens. And, you know, I, I guess in my story does the crux of it does take place in midlife when my kids were teenagers. Um, Just to rewind and touch on a little before that, for me, as I was raising kids and they were little, things went pretty smoothly. Um, you know, for the most part, according to what my expectations were. But when my three kids hit the teenage years, all of a sudden life became hard, um, harder than I expected. There was a lot of drama and chaos and tension and fighting and yelling and battles, um, none of which had happened earlier. And it just felt like anything I tried, you know, listening to podcasts, reading books, hearing speaker series, like nothing was working to fix the situation in my home. And I was left feeling like I don't know what to do anymore. And I felt like my kids were pulling apart and away from me, which was the exact opposite thing that I wanted. You know, I always envisioned having a smooth relationship. And so that when they, you know, were adults, we would still enjoy each other and they would want me part of their life, part of their grandkids' life, all those, you know, yummy things you hope for. So I thought, oh my gosh, on this course, this is not going to (laughs) happen. And so it ended up when my middle one was a senior in high school, I found a parenting program that I went to with him where I learned completely new parenting skills, like a new parenting approach that made so much sense to me. And to be honest, I was a little bitter (laughs) that I hadn't been taught this. Like the approach made so much sense. It was very simple, very doable. And I immediately saw an impact on how my son and I were communicating on the tension in the house started decreasing. And it even really helped my relationship with my other two children as well, just learning a new approach to parenting. And so I took this information and got my life coach certification and combined all of that with my experience parenting three really different teens. And I ended up where I am today, being a life coach for parents of teens and and helping other people with this new approach so they can enjoy these years as well. We all deserve that. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I, of course, again, I don't have my own children, but even I am like, oh, I want to know all the things. And so I guess if somebody's listening and they're having some of those same struggles that you described, they'll be like, Janine, just tell me what to do. So what do you find that most of the people that come to you, what are they struggling with parents of teenagers? Yeah, um, great question. I think that's a common, I, I don't know many parents of teens who aren't struggling. And what I hear from my clients is sort of a range of categories. There's kind, there's the disrespectful category, right? They're lying, they're being rude, um, they're um, pushing you away. They are, 
you know, maybe in their academics are used to be fine and now they're plummeting. Um, they're withdrawing into their room. They're smoking, they're drinking, they're acting promiscuous, um, not taking responsibility, blaming others, um, a whole host of common <laughs> teenager problems that you hear. And I think the big aha for me and for the people I work with is the reason that you're struggling is because we see behavior and we feel worried and scared and frustrated and anxious. And just when our nervous systems get going like that, we naturally have this urge to tell our teens what to do differently to try to fix the situation, to tell them you should do this, or you need to do this, or, you know, a big one in my family was giving advice. <laughs> um, uh, and eventually when that doesn't happen, most of us resort to consequences or punishments, um, taking away the phone, um, grounding them, those sorts of things. And so when we show up with our advice and our, you should too, and you need this and our ultimatums and all of that, it comes from a really good place of intentionally wanting to help. But what teenagers are thinking when we do this is, you know, nothing, you don't get it. You don't understand me. Oftentimes we see things as a problem. Um, maybe they're scrolling endlessly on TikTok and we see that as a problem, but they don't see that as a problem. So when we start to put restrictions on it, they're just pissed off and they get angry. And usually if, if they don't want to do what, you, what, if you're suggesting they do something that they think isn't a problem, it often results in them just sneaking around and doing it anyway, Right. And then when we come into their room and tell them, like, we have this agenda in mind, all these things need to get done. But what they respond is like, leave me alone, get out of my room. <laughs> they push you away. And so all of a sudden, we're on this merry-go-round where we're, we're feeling worried and scared. We show up telling them what they should do. They get pissed off and push away and throw up walls. And then we end up trying to control the situation more and clamp down tighter because we're actually more worried and more scared. And, you know, this in essence causes this disconnection between us and our kids. And we're left feeling exhausted and just not knowing what to do to get through to them and feeling the exact opposite of close, which is what we really want. This feels um, familiar based on what I've seen um, in my world. And um, it feels a little bit like tale as old as time, kind of, right? Just based on how we've all sort of been conditioned to parent kids and mm -hmm. teenagers. So I guess as a result of that, a lot of people are struggling. Yeah. So what can they do yeah. to make this easier? What can they do to smooth this transition through teen years? Yeah. Okay. Well, first we got to start with a little compassion for ourselves, you know, and recognize that, okay, the reason we're parenting this way is because one, this is kind of the method we saw growing up, but even more importantly, for most of us, this is the way we parented when they were little and it worked, right? Like, of course we told them 
what they should do or they need to do when it came to look both ways before you cross the street. This is how you make friends in elementary school, right? And they were so curious at that point and so connected to us that they loved our advice and our wisdom and they soaked it up. And then we got typically rewarded with hugs and appreciation, right? And that connection. And so it becomes wired into our minds, into our bodies to respond that way. And so just to recognize and have a little compassion that, of course, this is the way I'm showing up as a parent. It's really all that I know. In the past, it felt really good. So of course, I'm going to do it again. Um, but to recognize that there is, our, uh, that your child as a teenager is going through a huge transition, which is so obvious to us as parents. But what isn't obvious is we need to transition as well in our approach when we're talking to them. So I would start with having a little compassion and understanding for yourself first and foremost, and not beating yourself up and just recognizing I was never taught anything different. After that, there's, I do teach like a five-step process when people coach with me. Um, would you like me to touch on those steps real quickly? Sure. If you would love to share, I would love to hear it. Sure. Sure. So the first thing we work on is kind of what I just touched on about that. It's a piece of it is having the compassion for yourself, but the overriding theme is learning to manage your emotions before you engage in a conversation with them. Right. So if we are feeling frustrated or angry or stressed or anxious or worried, any of those things, and we approach our kids revved up like that, they're going to immediately, you know, push you away. They're going to be anticipating your disappointment in them, maybe a punishment, your anger, and that feels really awful. And that's why you get the leave me alone, get out of my room, right? They push you away. So the first thing to work on is settling your own feelings of worry or anger or frustration before you enter in a conversation with them. Because the goal that we're trying to do is we're trying to connect with our teens before we correct their behavior. So when they were little, we could jump to correcting because we had that connection. But now that they're teenagers and they're just naturally pulling away from you and wanting to exert their independence, we have to make sure the connection's there before we start talking about the behavior that's worrying us. You know, Does that you make know sense? I, absolutely. You know what I love about this? Okay. It's, I think, probably goes along with a lot of what we see in pop culture right now, which is we're so outside of ourselves as women, like focused on everything outside of ourselves that we've forgotten about ourselves and we're disconnected from ourselves. So by getting quiet and connecting with yourself, which in, in the way it feels like you're describing, that will allow you to create this connection with your kid. So it's going to oh, give, true. it's going to give parents women in particular, it's going to give them benefits outside of the connection with their child, I'm guessing. 
there's a huge ripple effect. And I hear that from clients too, that, wow, this is actually helping with my relationship with my husband. And it's helping me at work with my connections, like, especially at midlife, you know, many women are now at an upper management position. And so just to settle your own emotions, maybe you're frustrated at work with, you know, people who work for you, um, to settle that before you engage in a conversation can just um, tee you up for success, really. So yeah, just this principle alone, no matter where you are in life, um, and, and what you're struggling with can be so helpful. Awesome. So the other steps after that, the second step is I teach you how to approach a conversation where you're just stating the facts. And the reason this is so important is that we love to approach a conversation and first of all, talk way too much, <laughs> which drives our teens crazy and they stop listening. And then oftentimes we have this agenda going on in the back of our mind when we're having a conversation with them and they sniff that out so quickly and they're not interested. So I teach you a different <laughs> approach where you're just stating the facts. So like, for example, say, you know, you're um, looking at their um, online at their grades, you know, through the portal, which first of all, just realize our parents could never do that with us. So just log that in your mind that you never had your parents sneaking up on you and looking where you were every day, where you were academically. But say you get this, you know, you see there's a D on a test and your kid hasn't told you about it and you start, your mind just starts spinning, right? Like they're not studying, they're on social media all the time. They're, why didn't they tell me about this, right? All of our minds start spinning. So that's when we love to approach them and start talking to them, which doesn't work. So instead, what I am suggesting is you just state what you're observing in a calm place. Remember, because the first step was first getting calm. So it might sound something just like, like, hey, I noticed you got a D on your test. That's it. Super simple. <laughs> But to the point with no tone, no agenda, nothing like that. Because again, remember, we're trying to engage them in a conversation and connect with us. And so we want to just state what we're observing from a neutral place. And when we can follow that with step three, with a curious question, like, hey, what's going on? Right? I noticed you got a D on the test. What's going on? That's, that's it, right? And the reason we follow our observation with a curious question is because we're trying to get to the real reason for the behavior that we see that's worrisome, okay? Why are they scrolling endlessly on TikTok? Why are they appear to be a recluse in their room? Why are they smoking? Why are they posting inappropriate things on social media? Why are their grades plummeting, right? We want to get to the real reason first for the behavior that we're seeing that's worrying us. We need to know what are they thinking? What are they feeling that's causing them to behave that way that's scaring us? And so we need to get curious about it. And I think for this step 
my number one tip would be stop asking why questions. Why'd you get the D on the test? Why are you smoking? Why'd you lie to me? Why are you disrespectful? Right? All of those things just puts them on the defensive and does the exact opposite thing of what you want, which is having a conversation and trying to help them get to really the root of the problem, right? Are they feeling like they're trying to fit in? Are they feeling overwhelmed by academic pressure? Are they feeling embarrassed to go to school because a boy rejected them or they've, they've, they've got acne on their face, right? We want to get to the underneath problem of what's going on. So that's really the golden nuggets of what we can help them with and what will ultimately change the behavior that they're doing that's worrying you. I love it. What do you think about that? I love it. It's like um, one of the things that is kind of one of the things that I live by is be curious, not judgmental. And this is such an awesome example of it. And I think you're right when you're so wrapped up in that you want your kid to do the right thing. You want them to be successful. Then you want to just go straight in and, and fix it instead of just being curious about what's going on. Hey, right. And like taking the moment and recognizing that really my opportunity here as a parent is to help my child learn life skills such as problem solving or figuring out, well, why did I do something? Right. So we want to start having conversations where our children are gaining some awareness about why they're doing the behavior they're doing. Right. So that is really, to me, the opportunity that we have to really help our children because we want them to launch after high school and have these life skills so they know how to solve problems that arise versus if we're jumping in to fix it all the time and trying to control it, like our, our intentions are from a really good place, but we're robbing them of the opportunity of learning how to solve life's difficult challenges. And when you think about it, they don't get any easier. <laughs> Whether you're in college or you're working at a job, you're always going to face challenges. And so if we can help them think through this and figure, start learning this skill in the safety of our home, we're really giving them a huge gift for when they leave. Oh my goodness, so, this is great. Oh, good. So good. you, so I want to like circle back. You were, you said, get calm. Then it's yes. about stating facts. Then it's getting curious. What's next? Yes. Okay. The next thing is you want to be on the same team as them, on the same side as them when you're talking to them, right? So you want to show them that you really understand what they're going through, whether they want to fit in or they're overwhelmed or they're embarrassed or whatever's going on for them, right? You want to show them that you get it, that you understand and really like lead the conversation with the thought, like nothing is wrong with you, honey. Like you are beautiful just the way you are with who you are. And so you can do this by validating how they feel, right? So it might be something like, hey, it makes sense that you might feel 
embarrassed because you're, you know, your friend was teasing you in front of everybody about the acne on your face, right? Or it might make sense that you're feeling overwhelmed because you're taking really hard classes right now. And on top of that, you're doing a sport and community service. Like anyone in your situation would feel overwhelmed. So you want to approach the conversation where you're articulating what you're noticing that's that they're feeling inside that's causing the behavior that you don't like. Because we need to connect with them about those feelings so they can feel like nothing's wrong with them, like they're okay, that it's natural to be feeling this way in the certain situation. Um, and when we do that, it like, it, it takes a weight off their shoulder, it eases them and they feel like you're on their side and you understand that. And so you shift this dynamic, Peggy, from being on opposite sides, like in a tug of rope with them, you know, do what I say, no way, you know, this whole tug of rope situation where you've dropped your end of the rope, you've come over to their side, and now it's you and your team against the problem, which is on the other side. You're solving it together with them in a way that feels supportive to them. Yeah, so that's this is the good. next I, thing I was, that we work on. The I was just thinking about this and from my own experience as a teenager with acne, I remember trying to explain to my parents about it. And then instead of, as you're saying, offering the empathy and the validation, it was, that's not an important thing in the big picture of things. And then I just had to eat it. So yes. I'm thinking about that as an example in this exact situation. Wouldn't it have been cool, even if they don't necessarily agree that it's the biggest thing in the world? For me at the time, it was. They like, I love that in, example. When you come in with empathy and validation, yeah. then as you said, then you're on the same team. So I love this. This is great. Yeah, because when they're, you know, when you get some sort of response like, well, that's just life, everybody has acne, and, you know, basically shut up and move on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the feeling that the team gets in that yeah. situation. It, they stay stuck in that feeling of embarrassment. Yeah. And so it's realizing like, it's not my job to fix the situation. How I can help my team the most is having compassion for whatever they're feeling, whether I think it's valid or not. Right. And I think that's the struggle because as an adult, you have this wisdom looking back, like we know like the acne is going to go away. Right. You're probably not even going to be friends with half these people in high school. Right. We know this. And so it seems so silly to us, our kids' fears, their worries, their anxiety of whatever the problem is of the moment. Right. But when we tell them, or when we send the message like, hey, what you're feeling isn't valid, they just stay stuck in it. So if we really want to help them, we want to show them that nothing's wrong with you for being embarrassed. Right? It's okay. I, you know, I get it. What can we do together so you feel better about this situation? Okay. And that's probably a lovely segue to what the next step is after that. <laughs> That basically is the next step, Peggy, okay. <laughs> right? We want to, instead of us offering our solutions, we want to ask them, 
they, they want to come up with their own solutions. They want to solve their own problems. So just make life easier on yourself and just ask them, like, what, what, what should we do about this? Right? What do you want to do about this? How can I help you? How can I support you? It's, it's changing your own frame of mind from how can I make them change to how can I support, teach, guide, influence them to change their behavior. And we want to do that by asking them, like, what do they want to do about it? What do they want to do differently? I'm, I'm thinking about my youngest son, when he got his driver's license, uh, I don't know, like a month or two later, he got in a car accident. And so, and again, let me say, I had learned these tools already. So this was what I like to call new Janine, not old Janine. So, you know, he showed up and I was able to say, oh, you got in an accident. What happened? Right? From a place of like, not anger or frustration, just getting curious. He, so he was like, boom, all of a sudden, right? Everything started pouring out of his mouth because he wasn't fearing getting punished. He wasn't anticipating my disappointment, right? So he started sharing everything that happened. You know, obviously if when anyone gets in an accident, it's scary, right? And it's caused a lot of anxiety. Oh, it was so easy for me to relate to. I've been in an accident, right? And so then on that step four, I could just validate. I'm like, oh gosh, it makes sense. That's gotta have been so scary for you, especially you just got your driver's license. So just as a side note, notice I'm not condoning his behavior. I'm not being like, great job, honey. You got in a car accident. No problem. Like that is not what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting is he's got a lot of major emotions going on inside of him like anyone does when you get in an accident. And so the best thing I can do in this moment is to help him feel like nothing's wrong with him for feeling that way. So, and then after that, I'm, I said, what do you want to do? Okay. Now let's be honest. We all know what to do as adults when we get in a car accident, right? We, I mean, it's like, we all, we can pull that out of our hat, but it's recognizing that, okay, I want him to learn this. So yes, in the back of my mind, I know what needs to happen, but let's see where he goes with it. Right. So what do you, what do you want to do? What do you think we need to do? Right. And get him to start thinking about how to solve this problem and what needs to happen. And I'm sure it's not going to be his first car accident. And so I want him to know all the skills of what to do when you're in one. <clears throat> and so recognizing, okay, he's 16. He can't do this all by himself yet but I want him to be in charge and leading the way. And I'm going to be in the background supporting him to make sure at least all the things that need to get done, get done. Right. But he's going to feel empowered and in charge. And what happens when you do this is that you feel more confident. You feel more calm. You feel empowered. Like this is so cool, right? Like my kid before my very eyes is figuring these things out. And then as you see this happen, that's what builds trust. You start trusting, oh, he's smart enough to figure this out and know what to do. And I hear so often that parents of teens will say like, I've lost all trust in them. This is the pathway to build that back, 
and it feels really good. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh my goodness. <clears throat> so when you learned all of these tools, you were in a, in a place that was very frustrating and challenging for you with your oldest son. Did you notice as soon as you started using the tools that things started to shift pretty quickly? I did. That's exactly what happened. I have to say it's not easy because you're breaking a really strong ingrained habits that you saw growing up. And that, as I mentioned earlier, you've done for 10 plus years, 10, 15 years. So it's not always easy, but it's doable. And as humans, when we see um, a positive result, right? When I, when I have a different approach, I say something different, even if it's any one of those five steps, but we just do step one and get calm. And before I have a conversation, just doing that alone, I noticed that my son responded differently to me. It was a little pattern, pattern interrupt, right? A pattern interrupt. Yes. Yeah. Right? Because we're in a relationship, it's two people. So if one person changes even ever so slightly what they're doing, the other person inevitably is going to change how they respond. So, you know, it, it's super. And then as things were getting better, you, you know, just naturally you get more motivated as you see things are happening more, you know, more in the direction that you wanted them to go. And so, and first it's like, feels slow, almost like if you're running, training for a marathon, the first few days or few weeks are hard and, um, you need to be so intentional and it might feel awkward or uncomfortable, but as time as goes on, you know, it all starts getting smoother and, and just more exciting. And you, it becomes your new habit because you it feels like you feel more calm. You feel more inspired. You feel more hopeful. Um, you know, you feel that connection with your child. And so it's motivating to keep trying it and doing something differently. And I expect that along the way, just like in running a marathon that you'll have maybe you'll tweak an ankle or you might have a setback in this kind of, you know, for extending the analogy um, and you'll go back to some old habits and then have to remind yourself, Oh no, this is what we're doing now. hundred percent. I mean, that's why a, having a coach in your back pocket is so helpful because it's just, it's inevitable that there's going to be highs and lows, ups and downs, right? I mean, let's face it. Our teenagers trigger us emotionally all the time. So yeah, it's just what we're looking for is just a slow and steady progress and understanding that there's going to be times where, wow, this is really working and it feels so great. And then times where it feels like it's not working and we do re revert back to the way it was. And yeah, just to like recognize that, notice it, don't judge yourself, don't beat yourself up and just be intentional and get, yeah, back on the path. So you mentioned having a coach in your back pocket. My audience is familiar with the idea of coaching because I am a coach and I'm curious to know how is it, how do you work with your clients? How do they find you first of all? And then what's your process? Like you've talked about your five steps, but do you work with them over a certain period of time? Do you have a group program? Do you have a combination of things? Can you tell us a little bit about how you work with your clients? 
Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking, Peggy. Um, right now I work one-on-one with my clients and we work together in six month increments because as you mentioned, you know, we're trying to change habits that have set in for a long time and that takes time and it's not a problem, but it's just, you want to have somebody who's guiding you and, you know, helping you when things aren't going well to get back on track. And so we meet, you know, typically once a week and um, for about an hour and yeah, we just get you going with these new approaches and, you know, each week you come back, you share with me what you tried and we troubleshoot and keep moving in the direction so you can have that relationship that you want. I think this is so amazing and so needed. And, you know, obviously I don't have teenagers, but I was one and I can imagine based on what you've described what that connection would have felt like. Obviously my relationship with with my my parents is great, but I can see how it would have been so much better. So, Mm, yeah. And this is so awesome that you can offer these tools so that people can create more of a smooth, lovely, connected experience with their teenagers. Yeah, exactly. And the beautiful thing is it's like, you know, let's, let's try new approaches. And as we do that, our kids learn to communicate that way. And so whatever you're doing ends up rippling down to your grandchildren. And that's just, that to me is super exciting. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, One of the things I like to ask my guests when they come on the show is I spend a lot of time with my clients reminding them that when a woman puts herself first, everyone around her benefits. So this sounds counterintuitive to a lot of women who are used to taking care of everyone else and not themselves, and especially when they have teenagers, and especially if they're having struggles with their teenagers. So I really want to empower women at this time in life to take care of themselves, to remember that when they connect with themselves and take care of themselves, then that actually creates this ripple effect that everyone else gets better. So what do you have as advice for women specifically around putting themselves first and taking care of themselves? And you can relate it to parenting or not. Yeah. No, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Of course, my mind is completely flooded and my passion is about parenting teens. And, you know, it's like, it reminds me of when you get on a plane and, right, the pilot's like, put your oxygen mask on first Mm -hmm. and then your kids. And it's so important, especially when we're parenting teens, because, If your listeners are feeling, you know, exhausted or overwhelmed um, or at their wits end, you've got to take care of yourself first before you can show up in life the way you want, whether that's at work, in your marriage or with your teenagers. And so, you know, that's why what we talked about earlier, that very first thing that we work on together is learning to become aware of how you're feeling and spend that, you need to spend that time, taking the time to connect with how you're feeling, what you're thinking, and um, learn to get grounded and calm and centered yourself before you ever start helping your teenagers. So it's the same principle here that you're talking about, Peggy. And I think to your point, many of us grew up And also that culture seeps in today where we don't put ourselves first as women or as moms, and we don't put our mental health and emotional wellness first. And when, you know, when we don't prioritize that, how can we possibly help 
anyone else? How can we possibly create the relationship we want or the life we want at work? Definitely. definitely. Um, and then I also have another question that's in some ways related. When you think about your midlife chapter, what do you think for you is the, the biggest thing that midlife has taught you? Hmm. I think when I look back over like the last decade, cause I'm 57 and, you know, so I'm not sure what you define as midlife, but if I think about the last decade, the biggest shift for me was learning that when I can identify and notice what I'm thinking and how that makes me feel inside, it's the biggest game changer of all. So, and I'm sure you connect with that. That's in essence what we do as coaches. And so when I got introduced to coaching and I hired a coach myself, I realized that this is so powerful to recognize, oh my gosh, I'm really beating myself up right now, right? I'm just being so, this happened to me yesterday. In fact, <laughs> I was being so hard on myself and critical of myself from um, something I had done. And so now I've got these tools where I realize, oh, I catch myself. And one thing I love to ask myself is, is this how I would talk to my teenager the way I'm talking to myself? And it just immediately drops me into a heart center place of compassion and patience. And that is what I'm really working on right now is having compassion and patience for myself. Um, and I, you know, just to answer your question, that to me comes from learning how to manage my mind and my emotions. Yes. Yes, to all of this. And the thing I love about this is that, you know, even just the way you're describing it, it feels similar. It took me until I was in my 40s and now, now I'm 50 to really get clear on how some of these tools can be so powerful and to really clue into them and get coached and then start learning about it. And I'm so excited for this young generation of teenagers that you have influence over when you're working with their parents they'll have the tools then instead of waiting until they're in their thirties and trying to figure it out for themselves or their forties or their fifties. It's awesome. I just got chills. I get so excited about that, <laughs> right? It's just like when I think of my kids having these tools and noticing their thoughts and when they're beating themselves up and having the ability to identify how that's feeling and having compassion for that. I get so excited that, yeah. yeah, they don't have to wait to midlife to learn this. They're going to learn this. They're now young adults in their 20s. But I see before my very eyes them integrating these things because I've been modeling it. And it's so exciting to me that they aren't going to, you know, I don't know if suffer sounds too strong of a word, but it sure felt like suffering at the time um, versus now if I'm feeling down or if I'm feeling um, in, in the mode of I'm suffering, I know what to do to get out of it. Right. Amazing. And that said, for there's going to be people who are listening that have that sensation that they're suffering, especially as it relates to their relationships with their teenagers. So I'm sure that some of them are going to be interested in learning more about your work. How can they connect with you? Um, what's the best way for them to find you or come and see you on the socials? Where can we direct them, Janine? 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and sometimes I'll post on TikTok. Um, but I do love being on Instagram and Facebook. I'm at Janine Mouchoir Coaching. Um, or you can find all of the resources on my website at janinemouchoir.com. So it's J-E-A-N-I-N-E. Amazon Mary O U C H A W A R. Okay. And I'll put those links in the show notes for anybody who is interested in those. And you also mentioned to me when we were communicating before recording today that you have uh, one of your classes that you were going to offer to my listeners. And it's called How to Talk So Your Teen Listens No More Battles with Your Teen. So I'll put a link to that as well, um, as long as that seems to be um, something that people might be interested in. So thank you. Yeah, those are two different classes. I'm happy to offer it. Yeah, go. If this conversation interested you and connected with you, go watch one of those free classes. It goes into even more depth on what we talked about today, Peggy. Okay, fantastic. All right. Do you have any final words of wisdom that you want to share or one thing that people should take away from our conversation today? Mm. I think the biggest thing that I, that I would love for your listeners to take away is that you want to connect with your teen before you try to correct their behavior and just lead with that curiosity and sense of wonder. Amazing. Janine, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and all of this amazing wisdom. Thanks for having me, Peggy. Thank you so much. And that's it for this episode of the Midlife Improvement Project. Thank you so much to my guest today, Janine Mouchoir, for sharing her story and her midlife parenting wisdom. Remember that whether you are a parent of teenagers or not, you can create better communication and peace in any relationship by getting curious and leading with empathy. If you get the feeling that I might be your coach and you are interested in learning more about me and my work and perhaps how we could work together, especially as you navigate the challenges and adventures of midlife, come and sign up for my mini course called Wake Up to Life 2.0. I'll send you an email every Monday for five weeks with a worksheet that will help you to get super clear on where you want to go next with this one precious life. Also, I'd love it if you would come and say hi on Instagram. You can find me there at Dr. Peggy Malone, and that is where you'll find me discussing my life as a 50-year-old who likes to snowboard, back handspring, and also to encourage other women to find what is fun and adventurous for them in midlife. As usual, you'll find all the resources and links that were mentioned during today's show in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed today's show and you don't want to ever miss an episode, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you usually listen. Until next time, my friends, stay focused and get after it. Thank you.